Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all are having a good week. I know I have been. <clears throat> you know, one of the things about me teaching on prayer is that the first time that you start having to, to actually live out a life of prayer and worship, you know that the enemy comes along and starts going, well, I'm going to take up your time so that you don't have enough time to sit down and worship or to pray. And you know what? This week has been one of those weeks. I've had more stuff come at me. It's been, woo. But do you know that in the midst of all that, I've asked the Lord, give me time. You know, he redeems the time. He gives us time when we don't have it. You know, there's been, you know, when I say that the Lord redeems the time, you know, I'd be sitting there going, I've got five, ten minutes that I can sit down, turn on some praise and worship, and I can just let the word and the worship and my imagination just take over. You know what? I can be in the spirit just like that. You know that when we pray in the spirit, when we pray with words, when we actually worship with words, when we worship in the spirit, you know that we're connecting with God. And so this week, we're going to kind of follow back up, but we're going to talk more about the doubt side of things because a lot of times we'll go, well, I believe Jesus can do anything. How, how about that? Anybody believe Jesus can do something? Give me some hands. I want to see it because I'm about to crush it. All right. But you go, you go, hey, you know what? Jesus can do anything, but I've not seen him do it for me. You know, every time I've, Every time I use this word, you know, but, everybody's got a but and they all stink, right? Well, that's the problem is that everybody goes, I believe God can do it, but I haven't seen him do it yet. I believe God can do it, but I don't know if he wants to do it for me. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you straight right now. God wants to do it for you. It's his will. You know, there was, I think, 18 times that somebody walked up to Jesus and said, Hey, I want something. Is it your will? And Jesus says, It is. You know, there is nothing that we would ever, ever, ever have to do in order to get Jesus to go, Nope, for you, sickness just stays on you. Or, or strife and, and contention stays on you. You know, Jesus wanted to heal everybody. He wanted everybody to be set free. He walked around and people would go, hey, I want to be set free. Jesus would go, be set free. You know, is that simple? People go, well, it can't be that simple. Well, you know what? When we start getting the doubt, the glory is going to come. You know, I, I used to, Pastor Jim McCann, when we were going to VCF, he would say, when you get the doubt out, then the glory will come out of the spout. You know, this is one of those things where we actually have windows of heaven that can actually come in and just revolutionize our life. God created an opportunity for us to accept Jesus. Once you became a part of the family, you became a new creature on the inside. Now that meant that your mind and your will and your emotions, your soul, that thing had to get renewed. In fact, Romans 12, 2 actually says that we must renew our mind. Well, right before then, it says, make your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, you can't make your body a living sacrifice without renewing your mind. If your mind's not renewed, then you're definitely not going to go into the five senses world. You're, you're not going to stand up when, when somebody goes, hey, I, I, I'm not feeling well and go, hey, let's pray. You want to agree together? You know, if, if you're not living a life where you're renewing your mind all the time, then you start taking on the world. Because it says, be not conformed to the world. That means imprisoned. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation is just like right now. This is water, right? It's being conformed to this bottle. It looks just like this bottle, but I can transform it into anything. I can pour it into another glass. I can, I can pour it out on the floor. It will make just all these different shapes and stuff. But you know that I can, that I can transform it into a solid. I can go put it in the, in the freezer 
And this thing can be hard as a rock. You know that in all of those cases, if I'm conformed to the way the world looks at me, which the world's going to tell you you're stupid, you're ugly, you're never going to make it, you're going down. You know what? The world is wrong. Jesus came and said, I want to break the conformity of the world and I want to transform you into something that is beautiful. See, that's what Jesus did on the cross was he gave us the ability to transform us into something else. Today, we're going to talk about getting that doubt out. Say, I want to get the doubt out. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to recap just for a second. Because if you didn't listen to last week, this is not going to make any any sense to you. The word prayer um, in Matthew chapter 6 is the word prosudomai. It's a compound word. But this word means to supplicate. It means to pray to God. It means worship. You know that when we pray, we're worshiping God? It also in the Hebrew is palala, and it means to meditate. It means that I can meditate on the word of God, and I can have it come to pass in my life. This right here, uh, in fact, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, man, Jesus, he just, bad Jesus. He, he went around telling the Pharisees, you bunch of hypocrites. You know why he told them they were hypocrites? It's because they would put stuff on people and they didn't follow it themselves. You know that in every single way they would pray to God, they would have a, an opportunity, they would do things. And you know that, that God himself was not happy with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In fact, when Jesus came back, Jesus pretty much went and, and turned them down in every, in every way. You know, years ago, um, I used to pray prayers like this. Father, you know, just help my family. You know, help my friends. I think there's some bad stuff going on in the world. Well, you may go, well, that's not a bad prayer. Well, the thing is, is that I didn't know that I was supposed to see what the Word of God said about that. How many people have ever thought, before I pray, I want to know what the Word of God says about something? Anybody? There's a few of you. But I'm going to be honest with you. If we don't know what the Word says about something before we go pray it, then we're just going to go pray anything. We're not going to see nothing. In fact, this word right here, uh, pros this word right here is compound word. And it means to be nearness uh, nigh unto, towards and, and uh, beside, it means going to something. This word ukamai actually means wish. How many people think wish is a bad thing? Oh, I wish it would happen. Well, you know, I think a lot of times in our, in our society, we have made wish a, a bad word. Well, I'm just going to wish that it happens. But what we don't understand is that like, when we really think about the word wish, people, people use wish and hope almost like they're hedging their bets. But when you actually go and look at the definition of wish, like in the Webster's Dictionary, it says an act of thinking about something that you want and hoping you will get it. Good thoughts are feelings directed towards a person. You know, I use this example. I've been on uh, business trips where I was gone for like two weeks. Well, you know, after like a day or two, I'm like having a wish. Have you, ever, have you ever been away from somebody and said, I wished I could see them? I wish that, I wish we were close. I wish we could talk. I wished I could do something for someone. You know, there's a lot of times we say wish and we're just like, I feel hopeless. Because I'm not able to. Well, you know, this, the way God wants it to be, is that he's wanting to put hope into your heart so that you can pray for them. You can see it coming to pass. Do you know that when you see something coming to pass, you know, if I'm praying for Reba back there in the back, and all of a sudden I, I know something's going on for Reba, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just shows me that she's going to come through it. You know that I can see her coming through. 
I don't know what that might look like right this minute because it's hypothetical, but I've actually in my own life seen things happen. I've seen myself getting beyond my, my current situation. I had ADD and dyslexia. I didn't even graduate from high school. Okay, guys, you know, I was very uneducated. I was unwilling. I, there was a lot of things I was un, okay? And then I got a hold of Philippians 4.13. It said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. And when I got a hold of that, it became my banner. It became the thing I put on everything. You can ask Heather. I went around all day. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Do you know that I went within the next 18 months? The Lord showed me where I was going to go. I wanted to be a computer engineer. But, you know, it's kind of hard to be a computer engineer when you didn't even graduate high school. It's a problem, right? Well, so I go and I get my GED. The Lord says, go get your GED. I see myself getting my GED. Do you know I passed my GED by one point? I mean, that, that's, called, that's called by the skin of your teeth, right? <laughs> so I pass my GED. I go through all of that. Do you know that 18 months later, I go and I get my first certification, the Lord says, go and apply for some jobs. I applied for jobs. You know, between the time I got my GED and my master's degree, it was 11 years. And I have a computer engineering degree, master's from UAB. Now, I had ADD and dyslexia. And you may go, well, Dusty, see, you were just able to do it. You just didn't apply yourself. Do you know what when somebody says you didn't apply yourself really means? It means you couldn't see your way out of it. You know, I, it's just a good way of being able to say you were stuck. How many people have been stuck somewhere mentally, emotionally? You know, if you're stuck somewhere mentally and emotionally, you'll never get beyond that, that one. You just All you got to do is step across the line, Dusty. All you got to do is just try. Can you just step off? Do you know that? That that was the thing is that I never knew where to step off. I never knew where to go. And after I got a hold of I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, the God started opening up pathways and I started stepping. You know that when you step out that first time, you're going, I'm stepping out into nothing. It's just an abyss. God is opening up my mind. He's able to make me see that when I take that first step, there's going to be another one behind it. I'm not going to get stuck. I'm not going to fall off. I'm not going to get stuck. See, that's what prayer really is in worship, is that I start reading His Word, and His Word becomes alive. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Well, Dusty, what if you fail? Well, He's going to pick me back up, and He's going to put me back on a path. I'm going to keep going. I mean, you've got to, you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. You go, Dusty, how do I see it? Well, you got to get the word and the Holy Spirit has to do it. I can't do it for you. I can't come up and say, hey, David, I just met him this morning. David, I'm going to put a plan for your life together. How about that? David's going to go, I don't like Dusty's plan. But do you know that the Holy Spirit will see you and he'll go, hey, let's put him on a path. And you start going, whoa, I want that plan. I want the plan that God has for me. Because that plan is going to be good. It's going to be prosperous for you. Well, also worship is the same first part of, the, of that prosudomai for prayer. It is actually the nearness is in the first part of worship. It's a compound word. And it means to fall and to prostrate oneself in homage, to reverence or adore, worship or to kiss the hand. You know, I use this as an example. You know, if, if my wife was here and, you know, the, the, the old days where you would take the lady's hand and go, you kiss the hand. Well, that was a, a sign of reverence and adoration. Oh, you're a lady. I want to, I want to show you that, you've, that you are somebody of worth. Well, do you know that worship is the same thing? God's showing you how much he's worth and he's showing how much that you are worth in him. Every time you worship, every time you sit before him and you start getting a picture of something. You know, this morning we're singing these songs and I'm playing a video in my head. The words are being painted of these songs that's on the inside of me and I'm touching the spirit of God. 
because I'm able to see what is being said by the word. You know, worship is a really good thing. That's why we sing these songs. It's not because I'm the greatest guitar player that I know. How about that? Do you know that it has nothing to do with us? The reason why we're up here is because of you. If you want to connect to God, then you will see and paint a picture. You know that there's there's songs, you know, that I, I see things. I see the throne room of God. I see his, his presence and his power. I see him doing things. I see that the moment that I start speaking, something's about to happen. It's because when I get into worship, I can see it. Praying the promise versus praying the problem. You know, God doesn't need you to tell him the, tell him the problems. He already knows. He saw it. He's omnipresent. He's able to see what, in real time what you're doing. You know, he doesn't need a recap because he knows. What he needs you to do is he needs you to start praying the word and the promise. You got to meditate until you illuminate. You know, I've said this before. If you meditate on God's word until the fact, it's like I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. We call it a rhema word. Rhema means God spoke it. You know, I've meditated on words before that has come to pass and that all of a sudden it's just, it's alive in me. It's a God spoken word. It's something that that word jumped off the page that God put it in my heart, my belief system. I don't have, you could come beat it. Try to beat it out of me. It ain't going to happen. Because guess what's going to happen? You are going to use that word. You're going to see that word. You're going to see it come to pass in your life. You're going to see it go to the next place in your life. All right. So that was the end of the recap. We're moving on to the new portion of this. Doubt causes us to worship and pray incorrectly. See, worship and praying is what we see. It's, it's, how we, it's how we engage with God in our mind, our will, and our emotions. Matthew 21, 21 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which has been done to the fig tree, but also ye shall say unto this mountain, whatever thing, uh, thing in your, that thing that's in your way, that mountain, the thing that's keeping you from moving forward, that's the thing Jesus is talking about here. Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and it shall be done. And all these things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive them. You know, Jesus walked up to the fig tree. It didn't have figs on it. And well, it made Jesus mad. So he just cursed the fig tree. No, Jesus was saying that thing told me by the way it looked that there was supposed to be figs on it. It wasn't producing fruit. It was in my way of eating. See, we have to understand in the spirit, there's things that are in your way from eating of his word, from partaking of the goodness of God. And when those things are there, you need to tell it to die from the root and move out of the way. You know, that fig tree was just in Jesus's way of getting what he needed. He needed figs. You know, Peter was so excited in Mark 11, 23, 24. He was like, Master, Master, oh, this fig tree, it, it died. Whatever you said, it was awesome. Well, you know, Peter had walked on water. How about that? Seeing a dead fig tree versus I walked on the water. I mean, I would be sitting there going, man, I walked on water. That fig tree thing was pretty cool, Jesus. But, you know, no, he was excited about it. And Jesus turns around and see, you don't get the, you don't get the fullness of the gospel just by going and reading the words that was put on the page. You go back to the Greek, but he was emphatic. He turned around and he looked at Peter and he said, have faith in God. Do you know that Jesus was rebuking Peter for going, "Woo, that's a great miracle. You know, the whole reason why Mark 11, 23 and 24 and Matthew 21, 21 was, was written was to show us that doubt was filling Peter's heart. Because guess what happened? When Jesus cursed the fig tree, 
it looked just like a fig tree. And they walked on. They went on to the temple. They went and did their thing. And when they went to the temple, it was three days later, he comes back and the fig tree's dead. Well, that's when Peter got all excited. But see, Jesus already said, saw it dead. Jesus already saw what his words was coming to pass happen the moment he spoke them, not three days later when it was dead. See, this is the thing. A lot of times we pray and we'll pray and we'll pray. You know why we keep praying about the same thing over and over and over again is because we didn't see it come to pass out here in the five senses. And what we did was we said, well, I guess it didn't work today, so I'm going to pray about it again. Can I get Dusty to pray for it? Can I get Betty to pray for it? Can I get Heather? Can I get Caleb? Can I get anybody to pray for it? We will finally get enough people to where it'll happen. But if you pray and you see it and you believe it, then you know it's done. Jesus was trying to tell him, look, I said that three days ago. Why are you so excited about it now? Doubt paints a different picture than what God sees. Doubt will, will carry you away from where God is trying to, to take you. True prayer is painting a picture of the outcome God has for you. Whatever you see and whatever you believe. You know, if you see it in your mind, it's happening. Andrew Womack was talking about that he was, he's, he's the guy that started Karis Bible College for those that don't know. But I went, I started listening to him in 2011, like several years before I went to his Bible school. Do you know that he was telling a story one time where he said that, I mean, he had had a church of like 12 people. Okay. And God had told him, Hey, you're going to have a worldwide ministry. Well, he said after he had had a, a, like a 30,000 square foot building and he was doing his ministry, God said, Hey, you're not thinking good enough. You need to think bigger. And he said, I don't know if I can. I can't see it, Lord. Well, he started saying, well, whatever it is, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get into this. I'm going to be able to see it. You know that they went and bought a 100,000 square foot place. You know that when they cut the ribbon on it, everybody's hollering and, whoa, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, Andrew's just kind of like standing there. Mm-hmm. And they're going, why aren't you excited? He goes, I saw this three years ago. You know, if we get to that point, then we're in on the plan before the actual goodness happens. See, Peter couldn't see it. He couldn't get in on the goodness three days before. So everything that happened was a surprise to Peter. You know, how many people has had God surprise you? Well, you know what? I've had God surprise me. You know that we need to be less surprised when God comes through. We need to be less surprised when God actually comes through. Because if we're less surprised, that means I got to see it. I got to be a part of it. I got to walk in it. All right. Eyes to see. I'm going to try to hit this really, really quickly. This is something the Lord told me to put in right at the last minute here. So Luke 10, 17, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like a lightning from heaven. See, Jesus, Jesus had, seen, had seen it in the Spirit because he was Spirit. See, he didn't just see it right then. He said, hey, I've seen it. I, I, I know it in the spirit that this happened. Satan has fallen like, like lightning. And he said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be able to hurt you by any means. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Now let me ask you a question. If, a, if something bad started happening, we had a spirit that started manifesting, I said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And all of a sudden somebody was set free. Most people would be like, man, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Somebody was set free because we used the name of Jesus and, and the spirit is gone. Well, guess what? He's basically saying, look, he goes, that's good. 
I'm not going to diminish that. But do you know that you have been adopted? You are a part of the Spirit of God. You are in the family of God. Your name is written on a legal document in heaven when you accept Jesus. Do you know that that's so much better because then now I don't just have the ability to affect the spirits. I have the ability to affect my life because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should have everlasting life. Well, that means that I have a good life now and I have a good life in the future. But guess what? What if I did bad things? What, What if my past wasn't as good? Well, you know what? God, all the bad things that's in the past, Jesus actually and the Holy Spirit in my past things have come and healed those things. I have life even to remember the good things. You know, if if a family member did something to you or or there was a problem in, in the past and you were sitting there and you go, I just can't remember the good thing about that family member because of the bad thing they did. You know, God has actually healed some of that in me. In friends, in people that I know, you know that now I can actually have an understanding, a, a sight, a relationship, a thought of goodness towards my past. See, this is important. I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to blow smoke. I'm trying to tell you right now that you can change even the way that things that happened in your past. You need to remember that God has given us everlasting life. It means that from the time I was born all the way until eternity, God is going to give me the ability to live my life the way that he saw. That means if something bad happened to you in the past, it doesn't affect your future. It doesn't affect your relationships. It doesn't affect the people that are around you. In fact, in uh, verse 21, it says, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. That means He started praising and worshiping. That means God, He started praising God because their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They were they were adopted he saw that satan no longer had bonds upon these people you know jesus was given thanks to god in fact it says i thank you father lord of heaven and earth that you have not hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes you know revelation is something that we need we need to be able to reveal the things of goodness that God is happening in our life. What about this? What about if somebody in your family is having a bad time and you're able to go and help reveal by the Spirit those things? Man, you'll change their life. It says, even so for the Father, for, for it is so it seems good to your, in your sight. Twenty-two verse, verse 22 says, And all things have been delivered to me by the Father, and no one... And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except for the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Then He turned to His disciples and He said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. See, this was not just a physical thing. Hey, you saw some devils being cast out. You saw people being healed. Peter, you walked on the water. You saw the fig tree die. All that. That had... Really nothing to do with it. He was saying that it is being revealed to you in your mind. It means you're able to see that the Spirit of God and the authority of God, that it is moving. It is ever-changing. It is creating paths for you. See, if you can't see it, it won't happen. Authority, power, adoption, and revelation. Do you know that in each one of these... We have to have the ability to see. We have to be able to see that we have the authority to be able to do the things God is calling us to do. We have to have the power and see that we have the power to go actually change things. You go, Dusty, I don't know if I do have the power to change things. You know what? You go pray with somebody and you tell them, hey, what are you believing for? And they go, well, I don't really know what I'm believing for. This is what I'm believing for you. 
You ever want to try something? Go and when somebody says, I don't know what to believe, you go, well, can you believe with me for you? I will paint a picture for you that we can both stand on and then we can agree together. You have the power and you have the authority to do so. If they say, no, I can't do that, don't pray for them. Because guess what? You'll just end up hurting your faith and you'll end up hurting theirs. Because their will will trump your will. Not in your own life, but in their life. If you need something and you're not really sure, go find somebody who builds you up. If you're like, hey, I've got a problem going on in my life. It may be strife. It may be um, a health issue. Maybe whatever. Go find somebody like me. Because I'm going to tell you exactly what the word says. And I believe it because I've seen it come to pass in here. Do you know that in everything, God wants you to see things coming to pass in your life and in the lives of people around you? All right. Praying and worship removes doubt. It gets you off the island. Down here in the bottom, I've got, you know, y'all probably could sing the song. It's Gilgan's Island, right? You know, the tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. Everybody together. The minnow would be lost. But you know that that was the, that when the Lord showed me this, when he showed me these scriptures, the first thing that hit me was Gilligan's Island. I don't know why. I just, I mean, that's the way the Lord does with me. I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say here? And he goes, Gilligan's Island. And I go, really? Okay, we're going to do this. So James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8 is Gilligan's Island to me. And we'll, you're going to find out why. And it says in verse 2, my brother, count it all joy. This word is kara. It's where we get like grace, charis from. It's a root word here. See, joy is in grace. And it says, care to calm and calm delight or cheerfulness. It says, my brother, count it all delight and cheerfulness that when you fall into various trials, all this means is that there's going to be things that are come test you. There, I mean, life is what it is. You're going to be going in life and things are going to test you. I mean, you may be, think of your sandpaper person. How many people have a sandpaper person? Every time they get around you, they rub you and you feel, I just feel, man, I feel like, ugh, I feel like my skin's being rubbed off when this person's around. Well, you know what? They're there to trial. They're there to test you. And it's not sent from God. The devil's doing it. You know that this is one of the things is that if you have a sandpaper person, they're the ones that you're going to be putting into. I'm I'm telling you, if you have a sandpaper person, just go ahead and start praying for them because God is supposed to use you to help take some of the sand off the paper. All right, verse 3, it says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This is huponome, and it means to be hopeful. But let patience, hopefulness, have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, If any of you lack wisdom, which is basically just to know what to do. How many people want to know what to do? Everybody? There's some people who's like, I don't want to know what to do. (laughs) All right. Well, that's fine. Stop listening. All right. Let him ask of God. It means go pray. Go go see the way God's seeing. Say, hey, you know, one of the things that's really good, and I say this all the time. Do you know a good prayer is, is help? I don't know how to pray, Lord. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will come and go, go over to, oh, you need health and healing? Go to 1 Peter 2.24. By his stripes we were healed. Well, then now I've got to see that when Jesus was on the cross, that he was taking those stripes for my healing. Well, how about this? How about I'm I'm needing something, Lord? I, I need to pay my bills. I need to be able to do that. Well, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Philippians 4.19. There's a good one that the Holy Spirit brings up to me all the time. And I'll just sit there and I'll just, I'll ruminate on it. I'll marinate. How many people like to marinate meat? I've got some meat marinating right now that we're going to end up cooking tomorrow night. You know, the the thing is, it's going to be good. You know, when you marinate something, it's going to be good. You know, the problem is, is that we don't put anything on our meat sometimes and it's, eh. We need to ruminate. We need to 
roll it around in our head. We need to marinate on that thing. We just need to get it all good right before we cook it. And we eat of the goodness of God. And it says here, um, in verse 6, it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable, weak in all of his ways. So let me ask you a question. Gilligan. How many people seen Gilligan's Island? Is there somebody that's been under a rock and never seen Gilligan's Island? Do you know they went out for that three-hour tour? They were on there for like nine years, right? So what did they not receive? They didn't receive... Money, they didn't receive food from anybody, they didn't, they didn't have a job, they didn't do all this stuff. You know that in being double-minded about anything, it means that you get stuck between two places. Between the, the what I have and where I'm going. You know what happens if you become a double-minded person? You get stuck between those two and eventually you don't have either. Oh man, did that hurt? Did somebody go, oh, what? I'm going to say it again. Sometimes you're so stuck in your doubt that the thing you have and the, the place you're going to, you can't, you can't get to either one. And eventually you get stuck to where what I have, it goes away. And what I'm going toward goes away. And now you're left with nothing. You know that being a double-minded person means that I can't make a decision. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, I'm, I'm stuck. And see, when you're stuck on the island, then that means that you haven't had any connection with the Holy Spirit, with the Father. Because when you've had connection with the Holy Spirit and the Father, they're going to tell you what to do. They're going to show you where to go. They're going to bring you to a place to where you can have the life that you need. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Now abideth faith, hope, and love in these three, but the greatest, this word mezzanon, and it means eldest or first, is love. Do you know that if I was to flip this faith, hope, and love, flip it around, then that would be love, hope, and faith. Do you know if I, I need to have the love of God, it's foundational. If I don't have God's love, if I don't know that He's chosen me, if I don't know He sent Jesus, if I don't know He's done anything like that, then I don't have a foundation. And if I don't have a foundation, then I can't have hope for anything that's in God. I can have hope in other things in the world. And guess what? The world will come along and it will take it from you. But you know what? If I don't have hope, then I don't have faith. And if I don't have faith, then I can't ever change my, my life in the ways God wanted me to change it. I have to do everything by faith. That means I didn't see it. I took some steps. I knew that was the direction I was supposed to go in, but I saw it come to pass. So faith, faith is undeniable. It means I don't deny that what God is going to do. You know, there's a lot of times in my life where sometimes I think to myself, I don't really know what God wants me to do. You know, that's a good time for to go, I'm going to stop, I'm going to go worship, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to go find out about that from God before I go step anywhere. How many people's impulse buyers? Anybody? Anybody like go out there and, you know, you get on the, on, what's the channel that, uh, home, shopping. home shopping, yeah, QVC. You know, I had an aunt that probably spent a million and a half dollars on QVC. It was it was pretty bad. And, you know, they would just, they would see it. She saw it, you know. It was materializing in her head. I could have that. I don't know why I need a dolphin necklace, but that's what I'm going to go get. Because I saw it. I saw it around my neck. I saw that I was going to be, a, oh, I, you know what? A dolphin necklace would be good for, for anybody over here. I'm just going to buy y'all dolphin necklaces. Amen. Amen. Brock, you're getting a dolphin necklace. But do you know that, that that's, one of the pro, that's one of the things that, that Satan has been using for our social media? He's using it on TV. He's been doing it this whole time because if he can get you to see something you don't have, then you go, 
Where's my credit card? Do you know that when, when we start applying and attaching things to our faith, hope, and love, then we, and we're doing it on the world side, then eventually what happens is, is we, we just have stuff. See, God wants you to build foundationally that He loves you and that you are loved and the people around you are loved by God. Now I can receive things. I can help other people receive things. Oh my gosh. Transitional hope means that I can take you from one place to another. That means if I'm stuck in the middle, well, do I need to go back and take the thing I already have? Or do I need to go forward and go with the thing that I think God wants me to go with? You know that hope is the thing that takes you from one place to another. See, if you don't have hope, you get stuck in the middle in your doubt. Your butts become too big for the seat. That was supposed to be funny, but it, it, fell, it fell flat. <clears throat> okay. It, so my picture over here is the Titanic, and it saw a little bitty iceberg, but, you know, an iceberg, you only see like a quarter of it. The rest of it, three quarters of it, is under the water. Well, you know what? God is saying if you want to move a mountain and you can't go through it, you can't go under it, or you can't go over it, and you can't go under it, you got to go through it. you got to get to the point to where, to where you're like, I'm moving this mountain out of my way. I'm going to see myself on the other side of this. Not like the Titanic where at the last moment, you know, they actually said the Titanic, if it had hit that iceberg head on, that the way it was designed, it would have just stopped. They would have backed up. They could have went around it. It would have just bent the front end of the, of the thing and it probably would have only had, had taken one compartment. And if one or two or three compartments was good, but when they got into doubt, when they got into uncertainty, they turned the boat and they skipped that thing all the way down and it filled up every compartment. And when it filled up every compartment, guess what happens? You start sinking. And that's the same way with faith and with doubt. You know, I can have a lot of faith, but, you know, faith is a grain of a mustard seed, like it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. But if I have a faith of a mustard seed, but I have a, a dime's worth of doubt, well, guess which one's heavier? Well, faith of a mustard seed will move mountains. But I can have just a little bit more doubt, and it will equalize that faith. Well, that was the same thing that happened with the Titanic. If they had... If they had just had more compartments that didn't fill up than the ones that then did, that ship would have st stayed afloat. Well, you know what happened? Is the more compartments that filled up because there was more holes in that ship, it sunk. And that's what happens to us, is that we have to understand that faith is going to be undeniable. I'm moving. I'm not stopping. You know, I played football in high school. They said the number one way for you to get hurt is to stop. You keep running until the, the whistle blows. You know what? I had plenty of friends that had knee surgeries and all that because they busted themselves up. It's because they stopped moving and somebody hit them. Don't be standing around. Let God show you where to go next. True worshipers give you a place in God. And it says in John chapter 4, it says, Jesus was teaching this woman, the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. And he and says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We know what we worship, the Jews, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour has come and now is when the true worshipers will worship uh, the Father in spirit and in truth. Not in their mouth, not with, with their hands, not with all this other stuff. Not with their, their laws. And it says right here, it says in verse uh, 24, it says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I am who speak to you. Do you know that? Jesus was trying to show this woman that we have to worship God in spirit and truth. The only way we can do that is to see it by the eye of faith. 
We need to be able to see in true worshiping where to go in God, who He is, where, where we should be with Him. Do you know that, that Samaritan people, the reason why they had a problem with this, they actually worshiped on a mountain, Mount Gerizim. And Mount Gerizim, we, if you've ever read the Old Testament, that was where the blessings was, right? When, when the children of Israel went into the, the promised land, they put them on Mount Gerizim and they put them on, um, I'm trying to think of the other mountain. But anyway, I read it the other day, I can't remember. But on one mountain was the blessings and that was Gerizim. But on the other one was the curses. And, and so the Samaritan people, they decided that's going to be the holy place. That's where we should worship. One of the reasons why they had to worship there is because they couldn't go in the temple. Somewhere in like the 700 BC time frame, the northern kingdom was overtaken by Assyrians. Well, they didn't let them go. So they ended up mixing together. Well, you know what? They weren't pure blood Jews, right? So what ended up happening is, is, that, is that they couldn't go into Jerusalem. They couldn't go into the temple. So they just said, well, hey, this mountain is where the blessings was. That's what we're going to do. But I want you to understand if you're shunned for whatever reason. See, Jesus was trying to show her that true worshipers had nothing to do with their bloodline. True worshipers didn't have anything to do with having a ritual at a temple. It had nothing to do with what you see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. And see, that was what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these other people, that's where they were at all the time. What did you do today? Did you wash your hands off and did you, did you follow the law to the T? And Jesus was trying to tell them that worshiping God has to do with the Spirit. You know, this woman, the moment he said, I am he... She went, and what did she do? Does anybody know the story? She went and told him, hey, this man is the Messiah. Come out and see him. He told, he told me about everything I've ever done. You know, she saw it. Jesus didn't come with a banner. He didn't have kingdoms. He didn't have, you know, all the, all the you know, the wise men and everything else with the gold and frankincense and myrrh. He just came and he was by himself and he was actually asking her for something. Can I have some water? Do you know that we need to understand that we can worship Jesus in spirit and truth, but we don't worship him out here just going, okay, it's another verse. It's another thing that we do. We actually connect with him in our mind, our will, and our emotions. Do you know that one of the things that I... I truly, you can come up here, Matt, play real softly. You know, one of the things I want you to understand is that if you're not painting a picture of who God is, if you're not painting a picture of where you're supposed to be going, then you're not truly praying. All you're doing is just saying vain words over and over and over again. And that's what Jesus kept calling them hypocrites for is because they would just have vain repetition. But you know, I need, I need you to understand that when you actually connect with God, when you see something, then you're going you're gonna to follow it. You're going to make sure that thing comes to pass. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask a couple questions. Is there anybody in here who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? If you've not, please raise your hand right now. I'm not going to call you down front. I'll, I'll pray with you afterwards. But I just, want to, I just want to know, do I need to pray with somebody? Do we need to get you saved? Because I, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to be a part of the family. I want your name to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want you to know that you have a life to be lived. Amen. Everybody's saved. Right now, I just want to paint a picture for you. Do you know that, that when Jesus came to this earth, that that's all he did was paint pictures? He would tell the disciples, he would tell them that, you know, that a good father versus a bad father. And he would say, you know, a good father would give bread, not a stone. That, you know, he would give meat and not a serpent, that he would, that he would love and not hate. 
Do you know that in every one of those circumstances, Jesus was painting a picture that the Father is good to you. You know, I said this before, you have to see the Father the way the Father sees you. You are loved, you are redeemed, you have power, you have authority. You are in a place, in a position of being family. And if you're able to see yourself in the family of God, then you can see yourself coming to pass in all of these things. Strife will fall off. Uh, You know, fear will fall off. Resentment will fall off. Health issues will fall off. But you need to be able to see that you come into pass and, and going through this. You need to know that Jesus came to give you these particular promises. And the Holy Spirit is there to teach you all things. All you have to do is ask. Whatsoever things that you ask for, believe that you receive them. And it will come to pass. Pray and tell your mountain to be removed and be cast in the sea. And don't doubt in your heart. Allow the Lord to open up your mind and to meditate until you illuminate on something. Well, if you don't have it today, then keep meditating on it. Find your scripture before you pray. Don't don't take the things of the world and try to fit it into God. But let God fit his ideas and change your worldview. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I pray over each and every person that's in here and at the sound of my voice. I pray, Father, that you are enlightening their mind, Father. That you're helping them to meditate. That when they don't know what to do, that that you're helping them to say, that's just a complaint. I need you to start praying the promise and seeing the promise come to pass. Holy Spirit, I just pray in Jesus' name that you are going about with them every single day this week and just showing them the goodness of God and how to apply this to their life. And that when they pray that they see things, that they just don't speak words, but that they paint pictures on the inside of their mind about coming through their issues and about being on the other side and that they know that they're loved and that they are going places, that they have hope and that their faith is undeniable, that they know that it's going to come to pass. Father, I just pray over them. I pray that you are giving them peace right now in Jesus' name. And that they're walking in this. I pray, dear Lord, you lead people across their path that they can go and preach this gospel, this good news, that they can show them how to pray, that they can help paint pictures in their mind. Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive, make nurse our bodies. As you sanctify it in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. If not, I dismiss you. We do have a fellowship today. Please stay and eat with us. Thank you. You're dismissed.